himself has called us to worship and, and, and to feed us. Um, would uh, ask our deacon, if there's anyone who did not pick up their pre-packed convenient, kind of confusing, um, for the supper, let's make sure people have those um, so people aren't scattered and would be later. Everyone have, have elements? Excellent. Um, if you would, uh, grab the Bible within reach, and particularly today, I uh, would ask that you would follow along. We are people who don't listen to things read, and so this is a longer text. Um, but I'm happy to say it's not as long as the mistake in the bulletin. Um, there are two different texts there, and we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2, 8 through 23 which is much longer than what we've been doing over the last months. But what I want you to notice, you who have been here, this is actually the, the passage that we've been working through over the last six weeks, I guess. Um, maybe, maybe even eight. And we want to hear it as a whole. So please, hear God's word for you. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by counseling the canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, these are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ, you died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the 
the Word of God. Please pray with me. Lord, you put such extraordinary promises, not simply on your word, such generosity, such rescuing and restoring power, but you put these promises on the preaching of your word, on the hearing in reverent attentiveness, Would we come if you did not call us? You have called us. Glorify your Son in our hearts and us. We've come to hear, I've come to speak. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over us. Then we shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your history, your society, and your piety. The incarnate Son is how you resist being enslaved to counterfeit religion. The incarnate Christ holds everything. In verses 16-23, Paul gives three statements of rejection. And each one, the positive he champions is expressed with the word body. Jesus is like one of those Russian dolls. If you open up the incarnate Christ, you find his body fulfilling history. If you open up history, you find his body, the church, thriving in society. If you open up his body, the church, you find the body of each believer rescued from the oppression of the flesh, sin, and death. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your history, your society, and your piety. The incarnate Son is how you resist being enslaved to counterfeit religion. These are not three ideas. These are three things. These are three bodies. They are the trophies of Christ's bodily life and death and resurrection. He has won them by his mighty work. These are not three techniques. These are three gifts received by faith in Jesus. What belongs to the incarnate Christ belongs to you. In December, our preaching will, will focus on the Incarnation. Your neighbors, your media, and all around you will focus on Christmas. Christmas is full of delights and good things. But in our time and place, much of what goes hand-to-hand -hand is in Paul's words, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. 
If our church lived in a Muslim nation, during their month-long fast of Ramadan, I would do the same thing. I want you to know the difference, to enjoy the difference, and to live the difference. The ministry of the church is to fortify you. That means making Christ clear and glorious so that you glorify and enjoy him. This is where that perhaps unusual word piety comes up. It just means religious devotion, the attitudes, practices, and ambitions you have because of who you worship. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your history, your society, and your piety. The incarnate Son is how you resist being enslaved to counterfeit religion. What is the incarnation? In verse 9, Paul writes, In him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The Holy Spirit caused Mary to conceive a child without a man, and the eternal Son joined himself to that specific humanity. The infinite, eternal, and unchangeable Son took on that life, that calling, that normal human existence. This is full of mystery. Yet it is the, the simple pinpoint, center point of our salvation. In the words of the Nicene Creed, the eternal Son, quote, for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Every day since, even now, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your history, your society, and your piety. The incarnate Son is how you resist being enslaved to counterfeit religion. Earlier in Colossians 1.19, Paul uses the same language. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This first time, incarnation is expressed with such boldness in order to indicate how Jesus rules over all created beings, quote, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. He is no angel. He is no creature. He is the fullness of deity. The second announcement, chapter 2, 9, the second announcement of this marvel greater than any other in history. This simple articulation of the incarnation introduces verses 10 through 15. His work in obeying, dying, and rising again in triumph. His victory was no shimmering manifestation. It was body work, body life, body death, body resurrection. We confessed our faith with the New City Catechism. Christ physically ascended on our behalf just as he came down to earth physically on our account. Jesus is at work now. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your history, your society, and your body. The incarnate Son is how you resist being enslaved. The counterfeit religion. 
Look at verses 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Paul dismisses a holy diet and a holy calendar as shadows, but not as meaningless. The Old Testament practices pointed to the things to come, the fulfillment of God's promises. This little statement is pregnant. It summarizes history. And odd as it may sound, history was always pregnant. History has always been moving forward towards an outcome, a climax. With human rebellion and sin's destructive energy, history would be a stillbirth. But God promised to rescue the world, to rescue history, to bring about the birth of a new and glorious creation. What are the things to come? How many things are coming? The whole creation, all the complexity and diversity and richness that God planted into the world that will grow up Oh, past, bloom, seed, and fruit, a forest. What is coming? The kingdom of God on earth. The victory of all God's good design. The full unfolding of his generosity and glory. The substance is Christ. Expressing what the ESV uses substance for more literally, more simplistically false languages, but the body is Christ's. Oh, there are shadows. And what is coming? The incarnate Christ rules history. He has wrested the wreck back to glory. Certainly there is still much to happen. History is not finished. But the incarnate Christ is fulfilling it. Christian, your history your future, your outcome, your turn of events is ruled by the incarnate Christ. You don't have to give up until heaven. That's false religion. You don't have to attempt some Christian nationalism to compel morality on America. That's false religion. You don't have to compromise and bend the knee to immorality and paganism around you to protect the church from the wrong side of history. That's false religion. You can love your neighbor, speak the truth, and worship the incarnate Christ. Remember how this letter begins. Paul praising and praying with such confidence about the Colossians when he knows that false religion is worming its way in among them. Remember how Paul reveled in Jesus having authority over every power and kingdom and dominion. And Paul knew the power and the character of the Roman Empire very, very well. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your history. Now look at verses 10 and excuse me, verses 18 and 19. The second rejection from Paul. Let no one disqualify you. 
insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Paul dismisses the speculative Jewish philosophers and their retreat into some kind of out-of-this-world worship. Paul locates real worship in the body of Christ. Look around you. You see the body of Christ. The incarnate Christ by his spirit has gathered the living stones. He has given life to each and every and made them more than a society. Where did you belong? Where you were fit together by his craftsmanship. Where his liveliness joins you together in the lives of these others. You trust in Christ. How will you be sustained, strengthened? Yes, by his spirit. And his spirit does this by joining you together with those alive in Christ. The Colossians had reason for absolute confidence in the complete fulfillment of God's rescuing and restoring work, a whole new world still. They were vexed and confused and at a loss because they read the same Old Testament as their unbelieving Jewish neighbors. You ever feel like your Jewish neighbor or your Mormon neighbor or your just darn nice, moral, darn nice morally upright, non-religious neighbor is better company than the complete craziness of the full-tilt sexual revolution and raising justice bigotry that calls your faith hate speech? Christians in the first century had a very similar experience to ours. When Gentiles came to faith in Christ, they stopped participating in the prayers and sacrifices to traditional gods that were everywhere in a normal work week and in a normal family life. People despised them as traitors against society and family. They were ridiculed as haters of all mankind. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules over your society. He told you, the world hated me and it will hate you. You're in the world, but you're not of it. Love one another. By faith, he has joined you to his people. Just as you are one in one body in worship, you are one body in life. He gives to each one of you so that you can give to the others. He is the head, and he cares for his body. The incarnate son knows your earthly experience, your bodily needs and weaknesses and delights. He has set you in the society of his saints because the king takes care of his household. The internet is full of people burned by the church. Any thinking person knows that there are different and disagreeing churches. The public scuttlebutt about churches is that they are hypocrite factories that foster domestic abuse and racism and gossip. Yes, the body of Christ is composed of sinners. And yes, the question of what is happening often in the name of Christ is a question that can only be answered from his word. 
The beautiful third chapter of Colossians is about body life among sinners. Jesus is not finished nourishing and knitting us together. It is exactly the kind of life from the dead, forgiving the wicked, growing up into love and wisdom that we all so desperately need. The alternative is to wander off on your own where you can't find Christ's body, his gifts, and his nourishment. The Lord Jesus has created and nourishes and rules in the body of Christ. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your fast society, his earthly body. The incarnate Son is how you resist being enslaved to counterfeit religion. Now, let us look at verses 20 to 23. If with Christ you died the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. God willing, we will return to these verses in January. I won't unpack them in some full sense now. Only a few key observations are needed to speak of how the incarnate Christ rules your body. What is Paul rejecting and what is he championing? He rejects religious regulations devised by human beings that force people against the goodness of their own bodies. False religion compels people to harm themselves. Paul champions a religious devotion, a piety, that cherishes the individual's bodily integrity. The incarnate Christ rules your piety with care for your created wholeness, your God-given design. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your piety. The incarnate Son is how you resist being enslaved to counterfeit religion. What does your creaturely wholeness have to do with his incarnation? The, the Nicene Creed points to it well. The eternal Son for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate. He came for you. He came for who you, were, who you were before his work of salvation. He came for who you were before sin distorted you. He did not come to make you a brand new person, a completely different person. He came to make you a wholesome person. He came to make you holy yourself, to make you whole. He obeyed for you. He died for you. He rose for you. Not so that you would just become some general idea of perfect. The incarnate Christ is making you perfectly you. Yourself. Exactly you. The only you. Bad religion reduces people to some human approximation of a person. Counterfeit Christianity edits people down to a uniform three-step technique or a narrow 12-step process. It inevitably works against your individual integrity, and the ugly results are worked out in the person's body. Denial of food, denial of sleep, vows of celibacy, vows of poverty, vows of unquestioning obedience. 
There are more subtle versions which we will consider later. For now, know this. Bad religion is not one size fits all. Bad religion is everyone will fit one size, whatever that takes. The Lord Jesus created you exactly. The Lord Jesus knows how you were, certainly similar to each and every other person, but still, each of each actually does things. The Lord Jesus will most certainly call you into difficulty, hardship, and loss. He may well require your piety, your devotion to him to embrace hunger, longing, suffering. But he cherishes the fundamental integrity of you as an individual person in the body. He will restore. He promises it. What you lost in his name was good. He'll restore it. He says even a hundred times over. You will live in self-denial, but never in self-repudiation. He does not repudiate you. He does not reject you. He came for you and your salvation. He came down from heaven and was incarnate for your body, not despite your body, not against your body. Christian, your piety is not at odds with humanity. As Paul said, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christian, listen. The incarnate Jesus Christ rules your history, your society, and your piety. The incarnate Son is how you resist being enslaved to counterfeit religion. You are called to live by faith in the incarnate Son of God. The basic business of living by faith gives you these three things. Confidence in history, fellowship in society, and discipleship in normal life. Like Paul, reject whatever contradicts these things. Like Paul, champion what the incarnate Jesus cherishes. These three things are Jesus' trophies. These three things are the fruit of his bodily life, death, and resurrection. These three things are his gifts to any and every sinner who comes. If you hold on to the incarnate Christ, you hold on to these three things. If you hold on to these three things, you hold on to the incarnate Christ. Pray with me. Jesus and we would that our neighbors and the ones we dearly love and the strangers and those who rave and rave against you would see Jesus I pray in his name Amen never happened but the great love of his heart for you And so he gives us his supper. Pray with me. 
Father, you sent your son. And the son only says what he's heard from the father. And he said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood or have no part in me. If we have a part in him, what all do we receive? Show us that. I would remind you that for centuries people like you ordinary folk in more languages than I can think about have gathered and fed on Christ we participate in what he has been doing in history all along a lot of those people didn't know about the Presbyterian Church. Because they didn't know. And they didn't need to. Where were they? What was God doing there? There was Christ. And so when we come to the supper in this Presbyterian Church, this church has a responsibility to invite any and all who believe, who, who we can say to you, here, take. Now, Unlike is commonly said and done, we have to say to you, you don't make yourself a Christian. Jesus does. And your confidence doesn't come from how you feel today or last week or even how impressed your mother is with you. The confidence comes from the word preached, your heart picking up what's given to you. That is done chiefly, or at least first, in baptism. And so we invite you to the supper, saying, if you have your baptism to encourage you, then of course come. Be baptized means you're received into a church, what we call a member. If you're part of another church, not Presbyterian, y'all make jokes about the word Presbyterian. You believe in Christ. You've been received there. And they've not said to you, look, man, you're completely out of bounds. You're walking completely against the Lord. Then come and be fed. You need to be nourished. And if you're not together with us here beyond this day, we'll look for you later. Or if you knit with us together here, we'll look for you next week. As they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. Take. 